On the Nature Conservancy's website, Carter preserved his title, one of South County's best hiking areas. And it truly is. The website goes on to say, the trails wind over a landscape formed by glaciers and shaped by generations of farmers. From field to forest, this land has interesting stories to tell. Every bit of this statement is true. I've hiked every trail of the four interconnected loops in every season across most of its 1,100 acres. From the overlooked deck on the Vernal Pond to the glacial erratics. From the pitch pine barrens and the rocky hills and around and through the 60-acre grasslands. The stone walls and huge boulders tell the stories of how the land was carved from ice and cultivated by man. But in one corner of the grass field, there's an anomaly, a short two-lane road cutting through a short section of trees and gated off where it meets a neighborhood. There's no signs, no markers, no obvious reason for this paved lane to exist. The story of why it's there isn't one you'll find easily. It's the story of Robert Peabody and the nuclear disaster that ended his life. Welcome to episode three of Tales, Trails, and Taverns, the podcast where I seek out haunted woods, taverns, hotels, swamps, islands, towns, etc., and give you, the listener, a first-hand account of what it's like to visit these places. The sights, the sounds, the feeling, what to expect, and how to prepare for your own adventures. Now, just so we're clear, I am not a paranormal investigator, nor am I a medium or clairvoyant in any sense of the word. I'm just someone who enjoys the outdoors, enjoys a good beer or a well-mixed drink, and has seen a few unexplainable things and is actually hoping to see more. Today's episode takes us to the south coast of Rhode Island to Charlestown, a little beach community that has had a penchant for open spaces for many years. I lived in the town for several years and one of the things I appreciated was how hard the city council fought to keep large commercial projects out of the town and to keep the open spaces, well, open and accessible to everyone. This has disrupted my own view of other coastal towns and now every time I see an old factory, a manufacturing facility, a train rail built close to the water, I wonder why they had such short-sightedness and question why they couldn't have tried to preserve the coast as well as Charlestown has. Of course the low-income housing project started by the Narragansett tribe that sat abandoned since the mid-1990s could probably tell a darker tale about battling progress, but I'll leave that for another episode. The Carter Preserve, that sits straddling the rocky uplands of the Charlestown Moraine, is a connector for several thousand acres of forest. It is part of an 11-mile stretch of protected land connecting the Ninigrit National Wildlife Refuge to the Carolina Management Area in Richmond, Rhode Island. The preserve also serves as a protection for a mile-long stretch of the Pawkatuck River. There's a few different ways to start on these trails. The one I found first is directly off of Route 112. It's a small lot near a vernal pond that, depending on what time of year you go, may look like a pond or even a small open section of grassland. You'll notice a sign next to the trailhead map that warns you to avoid the trail during high winds. Fortunately, this is very accurate. The hardwoods, I believe the oaks, but I could be mistaken, have been decimated by either an invasive species or a disease and much of the area is a graveyard of dead but still standing trees. High winds and gusts can easily knock down branches or even whole trees at any time, so be cautious if you decide you want to go travel and hike there. The second way I found is along Old Mill Road. 
This has been my favorite one to start because you can quickly get to the glacial erratic from the first intersection of the trail or go straight and head into the open grasslands. The third trailhead is the western trailhead on 411 at Wood River Junction and since I've never started here or even walked out to it, I have no way to tell you anything about it. I have nothing value to add. What I can tell you about is the rest of the trails. On the Red Loop Trail, past the stone chimney in the glacial erratic section, this is one of my favorites. It winds through the huge boulders and over rocky hills with views of long stone walls bisecting the woods in all directions. This then connects to the Narragansett Trail and goes back through the center of the grasslands. Connected to this is the Yellow Trail. It continues around the rest of the grasslands, goes back to the Old Mill Trailhead parking via the sheep path. The next loop is the Blue Trail. At the farthest point, it walks along the ice pond. I'm going to go out on a limb here and say that this might be a spot where early settlers gathered ice from the winter for storage over the warmer summer months. The rest of this trail goes through an open forest setting. In late summer, the trail can get quite overgrown with waist-high foliage and ferns to the point where even on the path you can't see the ground or even below your waist. I remember it just looking like a rolling sea of ferns. There was a large boulder about 50 yards off the trail. I wanted to walk to it and climb it, like an explorer finding a new island, but I wasn't entirely sure if I could have found the path once I left it. Also, I didn't want to be picking ticks off of myself for the remainder of the hike. It also felt like it could have been right out of the scene of a low-budget horror movie. Some creature, only about three feet tall, moving quickly through the ferns, traps me, the protagonist, while I'm on the rock, keeping me from getting back to the safety of the trail. After several hours not seeing any movement, I make a dash for the trail, only to realize that there's more of them coming in from either side, turn me around and drive me deeper into the field. Netflix, if you're hearing this, call me. I, I, got, I got ideas. The easternmost section is the Orange Loop. This one travels through deeper forests, past a historic dam, and many more boulders. Glacial-style erratic boulders. And it connects to the small white loop near the 112 trailhead and the Vernal Pond. The last trailhead is probably the most interesting one. This one is near Botka Woods Drive, and it has a gate. Instead of leading for the gate directly onto a trail, you walk first along a two-lane paved road. It goes to the edge of the field in what looks like it could be a gravel parking lot. There are no signs, no markers, nothing to let you know what this area was. But if you were to look up nuclear accidents, you would find the United Nuclear Wood River facility on the same list with places like Chernobyl and Three Mile Island. The area at the end of this small road was the location of a criticality accident in 1964, resulting in the death of technician Robert Peabody. Opened in 1963, the facility was designed to recover highly enriched uranium from scrap material left over from fuel production. Due to poor labeling and using similar shaped containers, Peabody mistakenly added uranium solution. I'm gonna, I'm gonna take a couple stacks of this. Instead of trichlorethylene, oh my god, trichlorethane, trichlor, trichloroethene, trichloroethene. Instead of, and I'm gonna butcher this, trichloro, trichloroethane, trichlor, trichloroethane. My god, that was terrible to a tank that he was intended to clean. The Savert, and I don't know if that's even pronounced correctly, the Savert being a unit of measure for radiation exposure, 
2 to 10 in a short term would cause extreme radiation sickness and would likely be fatal. Peabody was exposed almost instantly over his entire body to 82 to 190 sieverts. Robert died 49 hours after exposure at Rhode Island Hospital. There is a very informative YouTube video by Jason Allard titled Abandoned Nuclear Facility, Wood River Junction Criticality Accident, Rhode Island. It details the accident, the events that took place before and after it. Honestly, if you if you want to learn about this stuff, you want to learn about Wood River Junction and the, and the criticality accident in the nuclear facility, that's the video to watch. It came out a couple months ago. I saw it. I had no... This is... That's the reason I even found out about the nuclear accident happening at this happening at this place that I've hiked time and time again. So do yourself a favor, look it up. I'll try to leave a link somewhere one of my social media accounts. After a cleanup due to 14 violations found after the accident, the plant reopened in 1965 and remained open until 1980, when reduction in profits caused the plant to be abandoned in the company's search for better investments. A 1979 survey had found that the site of the plant had leaked radiation in the immediate area, prompting a cleanup. Hold on. Oh, that's all getting cut out. The buildings were eventually demolished in 1994, and the site was determined to be safe in 1995. Today, the area is pristine. If you have a keen enough eye, you can find the outlines of the nuclear facility buildings near the edge of the grasslands. Like I said earlier, the road leading in is still mostly there, partially overgrown, and the radiation that was once present is now gone. You'd be exposed to more radiation by eating a banana than you would walking to the Carter Preserve. So that concludes the Tales and Trails portion of the podcast. Thank you all for joining me. If you haven't already followed me on social media, you can find Tales, Trails, and Taverns on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, Threads, and TikTok. Click subscribe on your podcast provider for new episodes, and don't forget to leave a five-star review. Now, once you're done hiking Carter Preserve and you're looking for a frosty beverage to quench your thirst, I am going to have to point you to the General Stanton Inn. I have personally not been there yet. The reason is, is that for the years that I lived in Charlestown, it was closed and for sale. In 2022, the inn was renovated and has since reopened. But for years, I've heard about hauntings in the inn by locals. Makes sense, seeing as the inn originally opened in 1740 and has stayed open for most of that time since. So when you find yourself in Charlestown, in need of a drink and spirits, find yourself at the General Stand Inn, particularly in the Prohibition Room. Then thank me in the five-star review you write later. Have a good night, y'all. Happy spooky season. Go hiking, see ghosts, drink beer, repeat.